0: We are in the letter, the second letter that we have to the Corinthians. We are in chapter 1. We are looking at the first 11 verses. We will read the word of the Lord and then pray and I'll review and then we'll pick it up again. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is in Corinth with all the saints who are throughout Achaia, grace to you and peace. From our God and Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also... Our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective. In the patient enduring of the same sufferings, we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our suffering, so also you are sharers of our comfort. We do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sense of death within ourselves so that we could not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us, He on whom we have set our hope, and He will yet deliver us you also joining and helping us through Your prayers so that thanks may be given by many persons on behalf of the favor bestowed upon us through the prayers of many. Father, thank You for Your words. Thank You for our brother Paul who went before us. And Father, the anguish and the infliction that he suffered in such abundance. And Father, may we May we learn from him and may we be comforted by him. And yet, Father, may we also in turn comfort as he has comforted us. Father, give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see uh, the peril of this age, the danger of this time. And Father, may we, who are called by your name, fight the good fight. With eager hearts, be willing to be poured out as drink offerings. Run the race that is set before each of us. To your glory, to your praise, keeping the faith, knowing that crown of righteousness is laid up for us and all who hear. In Christ, and Christ alone. Amen. We're looking at a very personal letter, actually. And We're looking at comfort and trouble. and We've been looking at this for several weeks now. And, and I want you to remember a couple of things. One, comfort and what the original term meant in the Greek language. And it means to be strengthened, to be bold, to be courageous. So when most of the time you talk to people today about comfort, the response is either like a, a feather bed or a nice recliner or something cushy. Um, that is not the term that is used here. He's not talking a, a state of ease. He's talking deeper, more profound than that. Um, He's talking that no matter what is happening, you will have strength to bear it. It's it's like like no temptation has seized you except that that is common to man. And God is faithful and he will always provide a way which you may stand. And, and, And that's 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 what we're talking about when we talk about comfort. Most of us think comfort is the hammock on the seashore. Uh, and that's not what Paul's talking. Paul's saying, no matter your circumstances, know that the God of all comfort is there, strengthening you for whatever it is that you are about to endure. All right? But we also looked at this word affliction. And, and if I went through affliction right now and asked every one of you, you would all have a different term on what affliction is. Literally, the Greek term means that it's a pressure. It is something that is either trying to dissuade you. It is something that is trying to crush you. It is something that is trying to stop you. It is something that is trying to overwhelm you to make you ineffective. All right, And, and, and it can be uh, limited, unlimited in what it is. Um, and you know, uh, it can be emotional, it can be physical, it can be spiritual, uh, it can be a combination of all of those. And, and so when I hear people saying, well, I'm suffering or I'm afflicted and things like this, uh, most people, it, it is a personal discomfort. Therefore I'm afflicted. Okay. That goes back to what is comfort because comfort says I will have strength and no matter what the pressure is that comes against me. And that's what the apostle Paul is trying to get to us here. And it's what he's writing to the Corinthians and telling them to be overcomers. You'll see that in depth in chapter four. But we've looked at in the last few weeks the person of comfort. And there is no other comfort from this than this person. You may chase things. You may think that a job will comfort you or an income will comfort you, or an education will comfort you, uh, a, a spouse will comfort you, um, relationships will comfort you, grandchildren will comfort you. Whatever it is, you may think it will comfort you. The comfort comes from one person and that is God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because He is the Father of mercy and the God of all comfort. And when He says He is the God of all comfort, that means He is the God of all comfort. No comfort comes without Him. It is very temporary. You can take it easy. You can take a vacation. But then once you get back from vacation, all the bills come that you got for vacation. And you don't feel comfortable anymore. We looked at the promise of comfort. First part of verse 4 right there. He comforts us in all our afflictions. No matter the pressure no matter the suffering no matter the circumstance he will comfort you in which ones all of them all of them all right and then last week we looked at uh, the purpose of comfort end of verse 4 and verses 6 and 7 and I had somebody say well you didn't really do much with verses 6 and 7 so i'll teach you to open your mouth I was trying to cover some ground and everybody said, well, you just read it was all all right. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort. See, you've got to understand this letter. Given ministry, listen, given the fact that you're saved, you are in ministry. You don't go out and start a ministry. You don't go find a ministry. If you're saved, welcome to the war. All right? And you will know that you are in the ministry because you will have affliction. Affliction. It can be the pruning process or it can be the enemy. But you will have affliction. You will have pressure. You will have things wanting to stop you. You will have things wanting to discourage you or to overwhelm you. And it will be unrelenting in its source. And he says here, but if we are afflicted, it is for what? It's for your comfort. So whatever the suffering of the saint Is taking place. It is for the comfort of the other saints. Sign me up for that, eh? But they don't appreciate it. You betcha. And and he uses plural pronouns here. Okay? Which means, if you take the context, he's writing and he says, And Timothy, our brother. That means that this affliction that the Apostle Paul is going through, Timothy is enjoying it also. Isn't that great? It's like what you learn in kindergarten. Sharing. I'm afflicted. Come with me. I know some of you are saying, but you afflict me. No. (laughs) We are afflicted that we may be comforters. I know for a fact that nobody looks at their affliction as a potential to comfort others. We look at our affliction as, how can I get out of this? And preferably, quickly. Paul is saying, you know what? The purpose of comfort is so that you can experience the comfort of God so you can pass that experience on to those who are enduring the same thing. This is one of the amazing things about the body of Christ today that I believe is missing. I don't believe the church understands this thing at all. Most people who are under hard heartache and, and, and suffering for the things of Christ don't share it. And, I'm, and then when we do have something, can you pray for my cancer to be healed? No, maybe you're going to have cancer and have to go through that ordeal so that when you run into another saint that has cancer, you can tell them that the God of all comfort carried me through it. Maybe you have lost a spouse. Maybe you have lost a loved one. And you think, how in the world did I deserve that? And God said, it is so that you will know my comfort." And in knowing my comfort, you can comfort those who will endure the same thing. That's a fascinating thought. Paul is is defending himself in this text in verses 6 and 7. If we are afflicted, saying me and Timothy and those who are with me, it is for your comfort. Because some people, when you look at a Christian who's going through the the meat grinder what do you immediately think well if they just repent God would ease up and we don't ever you missed it and that's what he's saying here don't you understand this don't you know that I am going through this for you that's amazing isn't that amazing because most people today, if you find a Christian who is suffering, your first thought is, he wouldn't listen to what God was saying, and because he wouldn't listen, God has given him what for? We're no different than Job's loving dear friends. Job, whatever it is you're doing, God's getting, you better knock it off. He's already explain this to him in first Corinthians if you remember first Corinthians 12 if one member suffers they all suffer if one member is honored we all rejoice see we really struggle with that in the church in America today I know we do I've watched this I've watched this when we see one person suffer we hope that they get over it We come with a profound, I am convinced that the suffering of this age cannot compare to the glory to come, you poor bugger. That's what we do. You know, here, let me help you. Did that help? See, if you really look at this and what he's laying out here in 6 and 7, I would call this common Christian love. I am going through this because it is for you and your salvation. Have you ever noticed when people come to salvation, it's usually not on the high part of their lives, is it? You know, I just won the lotto and you know, I just got this retirement policy and it got me a new Mercedes Benz. it bought me a big old house and everybody in the world loves me. I think I should get saved now. Normally, people come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, it's because they got nowhere else to look but up. And they are flat out and they are done. Why? And it is through that suffering that God says, Do you hear me now? See, Paul is looking at him and saying, You're going to accuse me of something because I'm suffering? The right thing to look at a brother or a sister who is in a lot of suffering is say, Here's a member of the body suffering, and we suffer when he suffers, and we rejoice when he rejoices. You know, I, I, I think about those letters that I read. Um, both Alexander and Igor's churches are in need of some work to be done to get into the winter. And then I think about the dear pastors in Uzbekistan and what they are going through, and it is hard not to have a heavy heart. You know, and then I look and say, well, you know, how can I come up and can I manage to balance my household and the things that I need to do and come up with enough money so I can go over and go through this graduation ceremony? And so, who's suffering? See how we get it twisted? It gets crooked. And, and And I believe that Paul is talking to you and I this day when we are afflicted, when we suffer, it is so that we can comfort others and then he makes that statement and bring salvation see when we are comforted, that is the same as what strength for what the walk of salvation you'll you hear it describe the perseverance of the saints okay that's that's how true salvation we've all seen. The Christian who just blossomed and did everything and then all of a sudden you find out that they've left their wife, they've left this and they've done this and they're living this way and they don't go to this and they don't go to do that. And you say, well, how can that be? Why? Because they didn't have the patience and endurance. See, I believe that in the Corinthian church there had been a lack of compassion toward the Apostle Paul. Um, hard-heartedness, uh, a coldness, And I believe that it was based on a failure to understand Paul's suffering and what he was enduring um, had been at God's will. This is what God would have Paul do. And God had allowed it in his ministry for the, the sake of perfecting the man. Remember, Paul was effective. But he had a messenger from Satan who buffeted his body. And he prayed three times, Lord, take this away from me. And God said, what? My grace is sufficient. sufficient. Why? Because you're going to run into other people who are buffeted, who are impaled, who are beaten for their testimony of Jesus Christ, and you will be able to relate to them. And if you think about the church, when does the church shine the brightest? When there's a cataclysmic event. When if something awful happens, then the church steps up sometimes. See, Paul is trying to get through to the Corinthians. Paul is trying to get through to me and you that don't you realize that there is a partnership here? Don't you realize how my suffering is linked to you? You can't separate it. If we are in the body of Christ and one part of the body is hurting, then guess what? The whole body hurts. The whole body hurts. See, what Paul was enduring was because God wanted him to be this and to experience this and to know this. It's easy to have a bunch of gigabytes of theological information. But if you look at the body of Christ today, how many people live in light of the theology that they have. In some cases, I agree. There is no theology in that church and the whole church lives like it. But I'm thinking that this church doesn't get that excuse. It's my sufferings, it's my afflictions that have shaped me into the man that God had me made to be. I have given you these good works to walk in. He told the church in Ephesus. Who would come to you and preach to you now? Understanding Paul putting his life on the line by God's grace, the power of the Spirit. Now he continues this relationship and he wants them to understand in the continuance of this relationship by God's grace and God's power, I am here to comfort you. It's ironic to think. This church is part of his affliction. (laughs) and yet he's going through it, he's enduring it so that he can comfort them. You're afflicting me so I can comfort you. See, when you see that add salvation, Paul is is saying here, God is using me as an instrument for your perseverance. See, if the church attacks you personally like it did Paul, like Corinth did Paul, then normal response would be what? I know the text. I'll kick the dust off my shoes and I'm out of here. Hope you like sulfur. Right? But the Apostle Paul says, no, you are a church. Church. And therefore, what I'm enduring in the heartache that you have given to me is so that God will personally comfort me so that I may now walk to you and comfort you. Seems odd, doesn't it? But that's how God does it. That's not how men would do it. You know what? The Apostle Paul had suffered an awful lot getting these people the gospel. Let's be realistic. He was there for 18 months, which means he spent a lot of time. 18 months doesn't mean 18 Sundays. Okay? Because he taught seven days a week. He went from house to house. Anytime he had a chance, he encouraged. And the comfort is first, is going to cause persevering. And persevering shows deliverance. And that is what will draw you to salvation and the furtherance of your salvation, the security of your salvation. So much anxiety, so much pain. This man was tore up on the inside from this group of people. He had received a lot of grief. And yet in all of it, Paul is saying, do you realize God comes to me and He makes me strong? He makes me bold. He makes me courageous so I can come to you and make you strong, make you bold, and make you courageous. I can bring you perseverance of your salvation. And listen, I know a lot of people who do not persevere in quote-unquote salvation. And you have to wonder, are they saved? I don't know. But you know what? God does. And yet... If you look at it in salvation, what do you do? You press on. See, this is the partnership. This is the connectedness. This is the solidarity. This is the oneness that is in the body of Christ. See, Paul is understanding that when I am comforted, it's for you. Because... When I am comforted, then it becomes effective. Okay? And when it's effective to me, it enables me to patiently endure the same sufferings with others who will endure the same suffering. You know what? This verse 6 is telling me that some in the church in Corinth were afflicted in the same way the apostle Paul was. And he's saying, what I'm going through will strengthen you. They were getting the same stuff that Paul was getting. See, remember, Titus had been there and he had been encouraged that there was a repentance and a sorrow. He had seen it. So there was a group, at least a core in the church in Corinth, who basically was having the same anguish, the same anxiety, the same trouble the Apostle Paul had. Paul understood the pain in the church. Paul understood the heartache of those who fall away, of the heartache of watching those who all of a sudden would follow false doctrine, who would follow false teaching, false philosophies, who would allow the systems of the earth, the systems of the world, to overwhelm them and to guide them instead of the word of the living God to guide them. See, what do we do with our sufferings? Will it, we allow it to enable us to minister to each other? I can think about this congregation right now and things that some of you are going through and some of you have been through and I wonder why you haven't crossed each other and encouraged each other on the comfort of God. It just don't make no sense to me. And there's been times that I've tried to match you guys up. You need to go talk to such and such, or you need to go talk to such and such. And you all look at me and go, and that's as far as it goes. And I don't understand that. There are many things that you, some of you have been through that have comforted me in something that I am dealing with. And I don't sit there and go, ah, you know what, you just comforted me. <laughs> Why? But God put you in my life to help me to assist me, to comfort me, to strengthen me, to give me the boldness that I needed, the courage that I needed to keep going. Whatever the pressure you receive for the sake of Christ, for the glory of His name, you will be comforted. You know, our sufferings, is what gives us the communion of the saints. Did you know that? It does. It helps us. Nobody out there is doing their own thing. Not by God's Word. Many of you are. And when you do that, you're the one who misses out. You suffer rejection. You suffer persecution. And that can come from your family. It can come from Christians. It can come from your job. It can come from your educational system. It can come from anything. Whatever the pressure you receive, know you will be comforted. And you may even have a Titus walk into your life and say, you know what? I've seen repentance there. I've seen a change there. God will enable you by that suffering to comfort others. I think that's totally awesome myself. I think it's totally awesome. Put a lot of those quote unquote, Christian counselors out of business. but it's there. And I would you know, I remember one time um, a guy was helping in alcohol recovery workshops. You know, and, and was some of his people were court ordered, and some of his people were just helped me. I uh, wanted to overcome alcohol abuse and all the rest of it. And I remember sitting down talking to him, and I said, uh, um, "So when did you get off of the liquor?" He said, "Oh, I never drank." Well, how in the heck do you relate to these people? Well, I just tell them, you know. They just need to put something else first. Is that working? Yeah, not very often. What the heck is that? Why? If the people who you're trying to help think you haven't endured it, then why would I listen to you? You know, I can look at you and say, well, I think you're just living in a fantasy world. And yet I can guarantee you, no matter what in this small group right here, no matter who, it's all covered. There's nothing out there in the planet Earth that has hit you that I guarantee you this group hasn't endured. Some of us have failed. We didn't make it through with shining colors. But we can all look back now and say, you know what? But I can't say God was there to comfort me. I can say I wasn't real happy about it, but I can't say He did comfort me. See, I think the issue is you read this. I, the, the issue is, and I, I think this is part of the church's problem in America today. Okay? We need to see beyond ourselves. Yes. I, I really, really think that that's, uh, that's the issue. When you suffer in your life things, and guarantee... You're going to have some things in your life. I can guarantee it. Okay. Um, how many of us are glad for the things we suffered? I didn't see anybody say amen or raise your hand on that. It's like, I'm glad. I'm glad he's glad. See, because there are those who will be strengthened through this because of their confidence in God. Listen, God will shake you to the core and say, who do you trust? And I don't care what it is. He can shake it and He can ask Job. He can do it really fast and say, now then, what is it you were dependent on? I remember not so many years ago, I was thinking about on Sunday nights uh, teaching the book of Job. And I read through it twice and said, yeah, i got to be out of my mind. Every time I teach something, I have to know it. I have to experience it. I don't like that book. I figure I'll teach the book of Job in heaven. It'll be safer there. But I wonder... We get so wrapped up in ourselves and you'll hear, well, you just don't understand. Or you even been there. Or, you haven't experienced that. You know what? In some cases, no. You're right. But perhaps you're experiencing it so you can comfort me. But see, if you're wrapped up in yourself, that one there won't fly. That won't fly. Look what he says in verse 7. And our hope is you for you is firmly grounded. Okay, He's putting His hope for you and is firmly grounded. It's not in you is my hope grounded. It is because the God of all comfort has already comforted me, so I am firmly grounded even in my hope for you. Even if you're enduring the same things that I have, I've experienced it and I know that the God of all comfort is there. I think that's pretty cool. See, there's no doubt in the Apostle Paul's mind or thinking of God's faithfulness because he looks at it and he says in these two verses, if we are comforted, it's for your comfort. Okay, because this is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings we suffer. Why? If he took care of us in our sufferings, And the fact that I still have a relationship with you because you are a brother or sister in Christ, guess what? He'll comfort you. And you know what? My hope ain't in you. My hope is in the God of all comfort, the Father of all mercies. And you know what? It's, It's still amazing to me This is what will make us strong. This is what will make us courageous. This is what will make us bold. And when you do those, guess what happens? That confidence is seen. You run into people who have faith and you think, gosh, I wish I just had that much. And yet those people are brought in there to comfort you. Which brings me to point 4, verse 5. I know, going backwards. I teach you guys to say, hey, you didn't do much with 6 and 7. Verse 5. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also is our comfort in abundance through Christ. All right, You see the word there twice. Abundance. So we have abundance of comfort, but I will tell you this. In this text, He has given us the limit of that abundance. There's a limit to God's comfort. Did you know that? Even though God is the God of all comfort, and He will comfort us in all our affliction, there are boundaries. There are limits to it. God' comfort, supernatural divine intervention of strength, boldness, and courage extends to whatever level We suffer for Christ. Got it? Um, Linsky called it righteous suffering. I know some Christians today who are suffering and (laughs) they deserve it. Okay? And it ain't got nothing to do with righteous suffering. Now, they'll tell you it does. But it isn't. The sufferings of Christ will be ours in abundance. But so will the comfort. See, the comfort will be equal to the sufferings. Alright? I, I, Peter really does a good job with this. So go to 1 Peter chapter 4 and I'll show you. Uh, Peter kind of explains this really better. And, and let's be realistic. Uh, Peter had righteous suffering. But Peter had some... Not so righteous suffering. Okay, sometimes Peter was his own worst enemy. First Peter chapter four, beginning in verse twelve. Beloved, I do not want you to be surprised. Now, when a, a, an apostle writes that, you should circle that, and then what I do is I put either red or pink big stars around it. Okay, which means um, this would be like. Promises from Jesus. Okay, here's what he says. I do not want you to be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you. Hmm. Which comes upon you for your testing. As though some strange thing were happening to you. Right? How many have stepped into the pearlies and the heavenlies and thought that now that I'm saved, my life is going to be a bed of roses and I will eat pearls and I will have filet mignon any I want it and me and Jesus are going to hang out buddy to buddy and nothing wrong will ever happen to me. I would say the bulk of Christendom at some point or other said, you know, this is, this is going to be alright. But he says, you know what? I, want you to, I don't want you to be surprised. What? Of the fiery ordeal. And I don't even want you to think that your fiery ordeal is sort of like special for you. This is quote unquote the norm. You should be more afraid if you're not in a fiery ordeal. Huh. Interesting. Look what he says. Verse 13. But to the degree that you share in the sufferings of Christ, what? Keep rejoicing. So that also at the revelation of His glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. Wow, what's he saying here? The degree of your suffering is to the degree of the comfort at the revealing at the coming of Christ. You'll see it. There's a reward in it. You suffer, the more you suffer for Christ, the more comfort that you have from Christ, and the more your reward is from Christ. Your eternal reward is connected to the degree of your suffering. And most of us are going, well, I don't like that idea. Well, okay, then ignore what Peter just wrote. I know you're sitting there going, you know what, I wasn't guilty of not knowing that until you showed it to me. <laughs> so you are about to be afflicted. <laughs> Look what he says, verse 14. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Okay, here's what he's telling us. Okay, he's giving you an illustration here. It doesn't matter what happens to you for the name of Christ. God will bless you. The Spirit of God will rest upon you. The Holy Spirit will come to you with power. And that strength will be infused into you no matter your fire or your ordeal, no matter what you're doing in the name of Christ. You will be strengthened in an inner man by the Spirit of God, according to Ephesians chapter 3. And it all comes together. But there is a key to it, isn't there? What am I doing for the sake of Christ? See, when you are attacked for the name of Christ, you will be blessed. Okay? You'll be spoken well of. Great. And you should what? Rejoice. I'm rejoicing at the privilege. What? I'm being attacked for the name of Christ, and I should do what? Why? Because the Spirit of God will come and comfort you. He will strengthen you. And this is a privilege to be the vessel before Him. Read on, verse 15. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer. Um, I like the King James translation of the next one, but mine says troublesome meddler. Uh, I think King James says busybody. And, uh, don't you find that fascinating? Don't suffer as a murderer or a gossip. <laughs> That's what a busybody is. Okay, and it's just somebody have you ever run into them people? They always have something bad to say about somebody somewhere? They always they're the ones who causes all the accidents on the highway looking at the accident on the other side. That there'd be a busybody. Right, So he gives you two sides. He says, listen, if you are reviled for the name of Christ, rejoice. Oh, by the way, the other side. Don't be suffering because you look like a lost person. See, do you understand when I, I shared with you Peter. Peter denied Christ three times. Third time, the Gospel of Luke tells us that Jesus looks across the the courtyard made eye contact with Peter and it says he wept bitterly, All right, Peter didn't receive comfort until there was repentance. Okay. So when he writes this in first Peter chapter four, guess what? You're talking to somebody who is experienced at what he's telling you. Cause see, he, Peter said, well, I wasn't a murderer. Although I did try to cut off Malchus's servant's head. Okay, so I theoretically could have been a murderer. Okay, um, someone who's a thief, an evildoer, uh, or a busy body. I like that one. It's kind of funny to me. But when he repented, then God's comfort come to him. And he said, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. okay. But he had to change his direction. See, I want you to understand, God is not saying, well, I'll comfort you in your sin. If you're truly honest with it, you want to see the most miserable creature on the planet earth. It is a Christian who is refusing to repent. And and he starts it gently. Just with the conscience. When your conscience starts bothering you, and here's how you know if your conscience is bothering you. When you try to rationalize what you're doing, and you start trying to find Bible verses to validate what you're doing, know this. The Holy Spirit is convicting you of a sin or a potential sin. Because if I... And see, here's one of the things. I study the Bible for a living now. I can almost validate anything. But if I find myself moving into a category that I have to justify something, I know I'm on the wrong path. And I don't like that path because Hebrews tells me God chastens and scourges the sons He loves. And scourging is the same thing that they did to Jesus. And I'm thinking, I don't want that line. So if He starts messing with my conscience, I am smart enough to say, deal with it now. Because if you don't, it will get more intense. And I will whip you until the flesh comes off your back if you don't pay attention. And I'm sitting there going, oh, okay, make a note. Because he's doing it because he loves me. I want no part of that. And that's what he's telling you. That's what Peter just lays it out here. He says, if you're, doing, if you're suffering for Christ, rejoice. Rejoice. Every son he loves, he chastens. Okay? Listen, there is an abundance of comfort in the boundaries that God has given us. See, he's already promised us comfort. That's what he's telling you in verse 5. It's already there. It's God's promise of comforts in the sufferings of Christ. Period. And it is through Him, by Him, for Him. See, suffering is ours in abundance. Everybody's happy about that one, huh? Now, if he just left it there, that'd be something... Okay, can I get saved just before I die? So I don't have to have, you know, I, I can do a lot of suffering without Christ. But he says, the comfort is ours in abundance. And to the degrees that you suffer for Christ is to the degree... He, he mentions this again. You're going to see this throughout, and this is why I call this a, a letter on ministry. Um, in chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, and we'll deal with that ministry, it's dealing with being transformed in the same image from glory to glory as the Lord of the Spirit. <laughs> and now and there, I would just cause your eyes to glaze over. But anyway, therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, what? Do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. See, Paul understood it. We're getting this thing all over the place. Look at verse 8 of chapter 4. We are afflicted in every way and we are not crushed, perplexed, and not despairing. Wow. Verse 12. So death works in us, but life in you. Meaning that we are being killed, we are being threatened with death so that your life may expand. Your life will be comforted. Verse 14 of chapter 4. Knowing that He who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. He says, I'm going through this for you. I'm going through this because you got saved. Now I'm going through this so that your salvation perseveres. You have endurance. You have patience. And you can actually take what I've given you and you will pass it on to others. Which tells me that some in the Corinthian church had moved. And he's saying all of this, no matter the sufferings, if it's done in the boundaries for Christ, guess what? It's for every one of your sakes, regardless of the affliction. So the saving grace of God can spread to more people. In Galatians 6, verse 17, the Apostle Paul made this statement. He says, I bear on my body. What? The scars for Christ. See what happened. Do you understand this? We miss this at times, and I see this in in the quote-unquote gospel presentations these days. Okay. And here's, here's, here's what Jesus loves me. Yes, I know this. Is the Bible tells me so. Uh, I should write a song. Anyway, um, the, the problem is Jesus told me and you that the world hate, hated him. And when they attack you, that means they want to hit him, but they can't find him. So they're going to hit his representative. Uzbekistan, Muslim country, under communist influence. All right? And now you got these crazy Baptists running around down there talking about love and charity and mercy and all this other weird stuff. And all of a sudden, the people are leaving the Orthodox Church and they're leaving the Muslim congregations that are becoming Christians. So what do we do? Shut them down. Go after their leaders. Okay? And hit them with taxes. And tell their leaders, "Guess what? Three years you've got to keep your big old pie hole shut." Huh? Listen, that ain't far from this country. Don't kid yourself. So. Do not kid yourself. So. See, Paul understood that people wanted to get at Jesus and to afflict him. And they went after Paul instead. Remember when Paul was on the road to Damascus? He was trying to arrest what? Christians. He had already imprisoned some. Some had been martyred uh, by witness of the Apostle Paul and all the rest of it. And when Jesus appeared to him on the Damascus road, he says, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? But I thought he was going after Christians. You go after a Christian, you're going after Christ. Okay? You and I have managed to separate that. I know we have. Why? Look what we do with quote-unquote church. Is not the church the body of Christ? In Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sakes. And this is funny because Paul never, as far as we can tell, never went to Colossae. (laughs) But he says, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh. I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church and filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Why did he write that in the Bible? I don't like that verse. But he's saying anything that is coming to me is based on the attack on Christ, which is a based on the attack on the church. What's going on in Uzbekistan should have an impact on you and me. But we're disconnected. I don't speak Ubascanese or whatever they speak over there. I think it's Russian. <laughs> but anyway. Well, that's all that's way over here. Really? No, it ain't. They're attacking the body of Christ. If they're attacking the body of Christ, they're attacking the person of Christ. If they're attacking the person of Christ, they're attacking you and me. Paul says, I'm filling up what is lacking. But Paul says, that's okay. I rejoice. Why? Because it's for your sake. It's for your sake. Why? I get more comfort, which allows my ministry to expand more because I have more potential to comfort more. I'll take the pain if it can bring you to Christ. I'll take the pain if it can change your life. See, that's what I call looking beyond yourself. I don't care what I have to endure as long as it strengthens the body of Christ for effective ministry. Why? Because He is the God of all comfort. In Philippians, He says, that I may know the fellowship of Uh, That I may know him in the fellowship. Do you understand? That's koinonia. Intimate relationship. Intimate friendship of his sufferings. I want to be intimate with the sufferings of Christ. Paul wanted that. See, Paul understood Matthew 10. Servant is not above his Lord. Carried your Lord out on a cross, people. We should be, remember in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 13, it says, we were taken outside the camp so we could bear his reproach. And we did this with gladness. What? Yeah, we're kicked out of the synagogue. We should be willing to take the scars. We should be willing to take the abuse. Because in doing that, we will know that our ministry now has the potential to reach more people, to comfort more people, to encourage more people, to make more people bold, to make more people strong, to make more people courageous. Sufferings of Christ. It was very easy for the Apostle Paul to understand. See, Paul endured an amazing amount um, that I can't even understand. And yet, then I see there the, personal, uh, the plural pronouns that he uses that tells me that Timothy and probably anybody else that was involved with the Apostle Paul endured it too. Okay? Mm-hmm. But we have an abundance of comfort because we have an abundance of sufferings for Christ. But there is the key to it because that's the limit of it. The comfort will only come if I'm doing it for the person of Christ in the name of Christ. See, the promise comes from God because it is the person of God. The person, the purpose of it is that through us, others will be strengthened for the task that is at hand. But there is a, an abundance and it is defined by the sufferings for Christ and not for sin. He will pour out comfort to the very degree of the suffering that you endure for righteousness' sakes. I don't care how you cut that, people. That is totally awesome. Here's the Apostle Paul writing to a church that is part of his biggest affliction. And he says, I understand that you are afflicting me and what you are doing so that I may comfort you and draw more to salvation and the endurance of those who are already saved. That's what you call a person who is looking beyond themselves. At the person of Christ, let's pray. Father, thank you for your Word, thank you for the amazing things that you continue to do. And Lord, even this text, as, as time as you look at it, Father, it seems a little heartbreaking, and yet in that, you comfort us. Father, I thank you for my brother Paul, and uh, I thank you that what he endured for your name's sake, for, for your purposes. Father, he, he even this very day is comforting some in this room. Father, help us to bow before your throne, the author and the finisher of our faith, that we may walk in a manner worthy of this calling.